I'm Tony Miller with KCDM. I'll be your host for the show this evening. Thanks for joining us for a new show here on KCDM. As of right now, I don't really know what direction the show is going to take. We have dubbed the show Father Mike at the Mic. Father Mike, thanks for being with us tonight. Thank you. I it, appreciate it. It would be a pretty oblivious show without you being here. So we appreciate you being here. Not to put more pressure on me, of course. Now <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can handle the pressure. <laughs> Priest for how many years? 55. 55 years. You can handle the pressure. <laughs> um, actually, the concept for this show started many years ago when we were having KCDM board meetings and we were talking about a discussion of having guests from the parish gather around the kitchen table, if you will, and uh, talk about issues affecting our lives and the church. When I came up with the title for the show, I wasn't sure if Father Mike would be interested in being our fearless leader, but he has graciously agreed to do that. So he's also going to serve as our religious conscience and our heresy detector. So, <laughs> with us here in the studio... Uh, we have some guests. We're going to be uh, talking with them a little later in the show once we get going here. We have Joe Spillane. Hello. And Lawrence Ducharme. Welcome, everybody. And Jean Ballinger. Hi there. And the one thing that all of these people have in common is they are all or have been KCDM board members at some point in time. So uh, that's what we're going to be talking about later on is the 20th anniversary of KCDM going on the air. So the radio station has actually been on the air in Burlington for 20 years, believe it or not. And we've, we've all got the gray hair to prove it, don't we? <laughs> uh, Father Mike, would you like to get us started with an opening prayer? I sure would. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, as we gather here to, in this new year, for a new beginning, a new direction for our radio station, we ask your blessing. Give us the grace to be bold in our preaching of the gospel and to share what the Holy Spirit is doing in our own lives and in the lives of the church in this area. Give us your grace, O Lord, that we might be worthy of you in all things. We ask all of this through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Mike. And now we're going to go ahead and read the uh, gospel for this Sunday, which is the Epiphany. Epiphany. Father Mike is going to read that for us. Okay, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. spirit. A reading today from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising and have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the child Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it has been written through the prophets, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly, and ascertained from them the time of the star's appearance. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may go and do him homage. And after their audience with the king, they set out. And behold, the star that they had seen at its rising preceded them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. 
And they were overjoyed at seeing the star and on entering the house with Mary, his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. And then they opened their treasures and offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father Mike. Okay, so what did everybody take from that reading? I mean, the Epiphany is a pretty big, a pretty big deal. It's called the Gentiles' Christmas. You know, most of the world celebrates the birth of Christ, celebrates the occasion of the birth of Christ around the Epiphany rather than on December 25th. Christ came first and foremost to his own people, which were the Jewish people. And uh, most of the emphasis is on January the 6th, which is the traditional day for the Epiphany. So that's the Christmas of the Gentiles, when the revelation was made to all of the people. So oh, okay. that's the significance of the three kings, because they were not Jews, they were Gentiles. So did there used to be some confusion about the Christmas and the giving being because the Magi showed up and gave gifts to Jesus? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's still, it's really not a confusion today. It's still the, the custom in most of your countries that the gifts are given on the sixth day of January. So if you go to Europe, that's the big feast. Christmas is a religious feast. And the more secular aspects of gift giving are reserved uh, for January the 6th. So how did the United States get so hung up on Christmas and giving the gifts on Christmas? Every other way that the... U.S. gets hung up on everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's a takeoff from the original religious meaning. Uh, just like Santa Claus is a takeoff of St. Nicholas, who was a bishop. And yet you don't see the fact that he was a bishop emphasized today in the United States. Right. You know, he's just a jolly old man who gives out presents. <laughs> kind of like the government. <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like we've all forgotten that Christ is the reason for the season. <laughs> That's right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the church year because we just started a new church year, mm -hmm. and the church year always ends with Feast of Christ the King and then begins with Advent, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we do four weeks of Advent, which Advent was really short this year, wasn't yeah. it? It really wasn't four weeks. It was three weeks in one day because uh, uh, Christmas coming on a Monday. You know, the, the the fourth Sunday of Advent was Christmas Eve. So it was only, it's it less than 24 hours, really. It only happens every couple of years, so. It made it for a very short Advent. <laughs> my my uh, Advent wreath candles were a lot longer this year than they were last year. <laughs> you can save them for next year. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Every year, my wife and I have a big discussion about the Christmas tree and how long you should leave your mm -hmm. Christmas tree up in the house. Um, it's still there, but all the decorations are off of it now. What do our other members think about that? You have Christmas trees in your house. <clears throat> I'm sure. sure. Yeah, mine never really got a lot of decorations put on it this year. <laughs> this was my first year of being home for Christmas. I'd been going down to my son's house in Texas every year the okay. last five years. And it was just strange to put up my old tree and, mm -hmm. and be here for it. Uh, but it's still there. It still has lights on it, and uh, it's going to stay for another week or two anyway. Uh, I'm not one of those that say, day after Christmas, let's take the tree down and get rid of it. You know, that's just uh, 
I, I like Christmas. I want to spread it out longer, extend the season. Yeah, when when uh, when my kids were little, my son was born on December seventeenth. Okay, and so we never did anything Christmas until after his birthday. So we never put up the tree, we never put up the lights, we never did anything Christmas to keep his birthday special because. One of the things I always heard about kids who have birthdays close to Christmas is, oh, yeah, I got that, your birthday present and your Christmas present, and this is a big deal. So we always tried to make uh, separate his birthday and Christmas. Sure. But as he got older, it didn't become such a big deal, and now he's in St. Louis, so he doesn't really care. But <laughs> um, So we always left the tree up longer because you put all that work and everything into it, and then... You take it down two weeks after his birthday. <laughs> Since I've been in Burlington, we've had a nice, nice tradition, just a personal tradition. But the Spillanes have always invited me over to their house, and he did so again tonight, Joe did, uh, for the Feast of Epiphany. And they have their tree up with the beautiful lights on it and everything. So I've always, I've always enjoyed that, you know, that uh, they leave their tree up for us to have a nice big feast day. Together. I think we had a, a tree up the last in the whole town. <laughs> People throw it out in the crowd, we had it. But we've been, last Christmas we were in Sweden, and so we hadn't had a tree. So and I missed we, you too. I know. I, know. So I we, walked around in a great depression uh, <laughs> all during Epiphany. But that little thing about Epiphany was he'd come over and see our kids when they were young. And he had told us a story. We had about fun. That. Yeah, he would bug them and stuff and they'd be leaving and he said no which one of you two boys going to be a priest <laughs> and lo and behold isn't that amazing lo and behold, behold we have one now that is with the bug in his ears <laughs> not with a lot of other people you know but sure. father might spur them on and, and all our catholic radio elmer and annette and not, you know just bob moranic just having a kind of catholic community mm -hmm. you know well, in uh, the old rectory there, we had pancakes on Saturday morning. And Bob Ryan used to make them. And they were made out of white flour, you know. And our kids never had white flour. Always whole wheat, you know. Bozeman is real healthy. And uh, anyway, they loved his pancakes. But, I mean, it was just kind of, kind of ate and breathed in the Catholic way. And it was kind of neat that they were there. And that goes along with the traditional celebration of the season. See, Christmas is a season. It's not just a day. And so the celebration of that season is prolonged all the way to Epiphany and sometimes even beyond, all the way up to, to uh, Candlemas Day, which is February 2nd. But the intensity of the season comes down in that immediate week after Christmas and New Year's. And, and that's what they refer to as the octave of Christmas, The octave right? of Christmas, right. The eight octave means eight. So it's the eight days after Christmas, and then you're right into the Feast of Mary, the Mother of God, which is January 1st, and then you go another six days for, for the Epiphany. And in the calendar today, even though Epiphany is traditionally January 6th, you know, the 12th day of Christmas, um, uh, we extend it to the Sunday after. It's a little bit confusing, you know. But there's even more confusion coming up, folks, this year because Ash Wednesday is on Valentine's Day. So <laughs> be ready for more confusion. <laughs> so it's going to be tough to give up chocolate this, uh, this, this Lent. Father, can you tell us, uh, 
I never grew up knowing anything about Candlemas Day. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that's about? Well, it's centered on the season, on, on light, which candles do. Candles give you light, of course, in the old traditional use of a candle. And uh, it's traditionally in the church, that was the day when they would bless all the candles that were going to be used throughout the course of the year. It's kind of more symbolic today than ever before because we don't, we don't bless them all in one day, but but we take a sample of them and we have a mass of them. And it is connected with the purification of the Blessed Mother after the birth of Jesus. And so the candle represents the purity and the, and the unique uh, wonder of her giving birth to Christ. And so this is a new light has come into the world. Uh, epiphany, epiphanus in Greece means a light coming into the world. And so uh, Candlemas Day, which is the second day of February, it not only is the official ending of the Christmas season, but it's, it's the beginning of ordinary time, and it's a, it's a time of, uh, of celebrating that, that light that's come into the world, all surrounded the Blessed Mother, who is the bearer of the light. Well, that's beautiful. Do you know, do some parishes hand out small candles well, for yeah. people to take home? Most, can, most parishes still do that, yeah. They're supposed to anyway. Okay. Some pastors don't like to because those candles cost money, but if people uh, really want to, or they can bring candles from home and yeah, they can you, be blessed. Bless. There's a special yeah. blessing connected with that. And there's also a procession. There's only certain days of the year where the church uh, advocates a procession and you're supposed to sing, you know, in, in relationship to the procession, bringing the light is going forth from the church out into the world. I always like that because I sing Christmas hymns on that day and everybody thinks I'm crazy. But, uh, you know, angels we have heard on high and all this because they fit in right with the significance of the light coming into the world. It's beautiful. That's interesting. My dad had a devotion to Mary mm -hmm. and his birthday was February 2nd. Okay. Today, you know, it's, it's almost as if the secular world is a, it kind of swallows up all these religious symbols and, and, and ignores them. The Candlemas today, February 2nd, is kind of accepted by the world as Groundhog Day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the <laughs> emphasis is on the Groundhog rather than on this uh, wonderful idea of light coming into the, a world of darkness, you know. But yeah, there still is kind of an emphasis about how much more, how many more weeks of, of uh, winter are we going to have and all that. So, And it doesn't really matter. We're going to have the same number of days of winter whether the groundhog sees his shadow or not. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Does anybody else have any other questions? Well, let's, uh, that wraps up our discussion on the reading. Uh, for those who are just tuning in, Father Mike is at the mic. And we have Joe Spillane, Lawrence Ducharme, and Gene Ballinger in the studio. And I'm Tony Miller, your host. And we're all gathered around the, the table tonight. Thanks for joining us for the show. We're happy you tuned in. Let us know what you think and what topics you would like to have us cover on the show. In fact, if you'd like to join us in the studio and give us your two cents worth, uh, reach out by going to kcdmradio.org and send us your thoughts. Uh, now let's move on to tonight's topic, shall we? Is everybody ready? Sure. <laughs> that's ready as you're going to get, huh? And this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart, or our hearts, I guess I should say. It's the 20th anniversary of KCDM being on the air in Burlington. 
And that seems like quite an accomplishment, and the story behind it is pretty amazing, too, because it always hasn't, it hasn't always been smooth sailing, has it? I have to be honest that I've only been involved with the radio station for about the past decade. It's been interesting, to say the least. So, let's go back and start at the beginning. Well, I think we need to have Joe start us out, because he's been on the board all, pretty much from the very beginning. Uh, haven't you? Weren't you involved at the very yeah. first uh, part of it? Yep. I wasn't on the board. Uh, I was a part of the group. So, who were the original founding members? I need to look that up. The Bobber Hank, uh, Bill Hausner, uh, Ray Reinecke, Mike Smith was on. Was okay. a member. I think Annette was on there. Annette Polpier, the secretary, Elmer. and Elmer. So there was four engineers that got us off the ground. Now there was there was somebody else too, Joe. Um, no, I don't have that handy here. I thought I I'd looked at it earlier today. That's right. Now, anyway, why? Yeah, Bob Moranic was treasurer and all kinds of other things. Uh, right. And Ray Reinick, he was there. The engineer wasn't he? The, the tech the tech person that actually kept us. He would make parts from his. He was a radio. Was this all inspired to EWTN? Because that no, that's thirty years ago, I think, when they came yeah. on the air. Yeah, they've been on the air right 40, 42 years now. But, oh, uh, forty-two years. Yeah, okay, uh, but they <clears throat> a company. What did I say? It was from Wisconsin came down. The relevant radio was involved in something way back then. Well, they were trying to start up too, uh, different places. Seaport, uh, see something, and that would know the name. And they went down to Mississippi and hit all the different days. Muscatine has a startup then, uh, Davenport, uh, Fort Madison, and us started the same month. So they had 20 years also this year. Uh, matter of fact, this year at, at the conference, and Lawrence and I went down to Birmingham in the middle of uh, October to get this trophy for 20 years. And this four, five? Four or five from uh, Iowa. From Iowa? I mean, uh, we all started. You know, it all went on the air within a couple months of each other right, in 2003. Yeah. We were all 20 years, and I told Father Joseph down there. I said, Father Joseph, you know how many of those, the, the ones that have been on the air the longest? 90% of them were from Iowa because <laughs> there weren't too many. So that was neat. He was a priest. And so a number of those priests, I understand, down there, with EWTN or from Iowa themselves too, right? right. The, the main one, Joseph. The main yeah. one, yeah. 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 I, my from yeah. Iowa, that's a, that's a yeah. mother church. Mother Angelica must have been very pleased with all of that. I have a little something here that uh, I was just looking at from Pope St. John Paul II, and he commented, we don't hear too much about uh, the Pope talking about radio, but he said radio offers perhaps the closest equivalent today of what Jesus was able to do with large groups through his preaching. Radio is an intimate medium which can reach people on the street, in their cars, and in their homes. Radio may well be the most cost-effective means of reaching large numbers of people who may lack exposure to Catholic publications, but will be willing to eavesdrop, in quotes, on Catholic radio stations or programming. So I think that's pretty much why we're in business. You know, what, what we want to do is we want to proclaim the gospel in a way that will be easy, easily comprehended by, by everybody. So... And I'm amazed. I'm new to this, too, you know, even though I've been in speech work all since I was a kid at Notre Dame. Um, I'm just amazed at how this has taken off. And it's all due to the lay people, you know. 
Well, and it was, uh, as I recall, Pope John Paul II was the pope that term coined the phrase new evangelization. Yes. And the, the, the increase in Catholic radio stations in the United States was due to Pope John Paul II because the Catholics realized that Protestants have had radio stations and TV stations, uh, you know, for a long time. And with this new evangelization that they started talking about, they said, well, why can't Catholics do it too? Why can't we have a radio station? And, and that's how the, the push, and apparently Burlington got caught up in that push. Yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. Where, where, was the, where was the original station located? Because it moved. It, yeah, it, the first it time we were on several. Mount Pleasant Street. Uh, that's the guy that owns half the radio stations here in town. Pritchard? Pritchard. He, we, he gave us a free spot on, on the uh, tower, halfway up. And uh, we would broadcast, and the guy that lived right down below it had messed up all of his <laughs> So we had to buy him a new, a new video or stereo or something, whatever, <laughs> he, that, that would not be affected by our signal. And then after a while, he said, okay, well, we're going to start charging that probably after five years or whatever it was. So maybe it's, yeah, probably about five years because then Bob, we moved over to the old St. Patrick's School and put it on that. Okay. And that's when you moved into the closet over at St. Right. Patrick's School. And we dragged that 10-foot <coughs> dish up on the roof. Up on the roof and put it up there. We couldn't bolt it to the roof because we put leaks, so we put sandbags and different things, cinder blocks to hold it down. The so, the, yeah, the technology's changed quite a bit because back then the radio signal was delivered via satellite. By satellite at a 45-degree angle, and then they changed the satellite to a 22-and-a-half angle. And so he said, can we do that? We locked down it. And we guessed the guy who's worked for Weingart, you know, this upstart young guy with the all kinds of technology. Can you focus us into this new satellite? He couldn't with his big gadget, you know, in his hand. So we went back to the old method with Bob Moranic. You just, you had a TV signal and you had to watch it and, and you just aimed it at 45, or in this case, 22%, and then 22 degrees, and then uh, went east, west, and focused in until your signal got as strong as you could get it. So it was kind of like when we were kids and the TV didn't come in good, and so you had one of the kids go and play with the antenna right. until they exactly. got it lined up just right. By hand. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. We have a pretty good relationship right now with the church. Um, but as I understand it, when Catholic Radio was first getting started, um, the, the diocese and the bishop were not as crazy about uh, Catholic Radio as they are today. Um, they were they were kind of suspicious of Mother Angelica, and they weren't really sure she was Catholic, and um, and so it caused some some uh, some strain between the churches and the and the radio people. Well, yeah, they uh, didn't understand how a cloistered nun, <laughs> which means you're put away in in a, in a convent. It could be broadcasting all this stuff, but they didn't really know her. her you know, she had a gift. And, uh, but that's just, changed. That's come about almost 180 degrees now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because with, when we built the new station, Bishop Amos came down and blessed it, right. didn't he? Right. We're an EWTN affiliate because when we first went on the air, we had no content of our own, right? right. And so we took the EWTN signal that was delivered by satellite and put it out on the air. 
and we're still an EWTN affiliate today. It's just that we get the signal over the internet today <laughs> instead of, so we don't have to worry about sunspots going into the dish and blocking out the signal. Or, yeah, snow, the nice or thing, snow on, on the, uh, get up there and take the snow off the Right. The, the nice thing about it is that EWTN provides all of that content, and oh, yeah. they do not charge any of these radio stations to access that information. Mm-hmm. It's all free, Wonderful. which is how we're able to do what we do at a very low cost. Well, I think Tony, especially, has been imaginative in how we can you know, apply all this stuff on the local level as well. I know I've enjoyed immensely uh, Pastor's Perspective, which we had on for, how long was it on? A year and a half, two years? 66 episodes. 66 episodes, each episode being an hour in length. And yeah, and once a week. Once a week, and it was broadcast every day. And so people, you know, we had a little difficulty because we didn't know if anybody was out there listening to us, you know. Uh, the signal was going out. And we were hearing once in a while, oh, we heard you on the radio the other day and so forth. And we're still trying to work that out. You know. I hope that in this, this new effort that we're trying now, we can get more feedback from the people. You know, uh, I like the idea of inviting them to come in two or three at a time to give us their perspective right here uh, in the station itself. That would be great. I'd like to get youngsters involved, too, high school kids, uh, and to get them in because they... They aren't as shy as their parents, and so uh, I'm sure they have something to say. <laughs> so, uh, and they're the future of the church, and so it's very important we get their perspective as well. And Tony, uh, can people still access the old uh, Pastor's Perspective shows mm-hmm. on our website? Mm-hmm. If they go to kcdmradio.org, another shameless plug, sorry about that. Um, the uh, Pastor's Perspective shows uh, from the first year and the second year are still up there, so... Uh, they can go back and start at uh, number one and binge listen if they'd like to. So, what what year are we in now, Father Mike? Last year was C or no A or B? What what year are we We're in? Going now? into C, I think. I think we are. Yeah, it, it, was, it was B. Yeah. Okay. I think so it was B. Yeah. Okay. I hope so. I think that's what it is. So, I think uh, what we did. Of course, I have to be careful because I was part of it, but. Uh, the priests had an enormously wonderful time doing, first of all, when Father uh, Marty was here, I guess they did something from the car radio or something. They had priests in the, two priests in a car. Two priests in a car, and that was very successful. I think that was just an amateur effort to have some fun. And then we came along with Tony's uh, involvement and encouragement to do Pastor's Perspective. or you, you named it a couple different things over the course of its life, I remember. Well, but, yeah, the the original idea for that show was Father Mike at the mic. Yeah, right. You said that. Because we couldn't I, think of anybody else. And when I talked to you Father Marty, behind the mic. <laughs> when I talked to Father Marty about it to, to see if he was okay with it, I got to thinking, why don't the more priests the merrier? Why don't we just have them all? And so the, the idea morphed into Pastor's Perspective. Yeah. So And it was fun. You know, we'd get together every week and record. And uh, then we'd usually go out and have something to eat together. And uh, it was good for the priests as well. And the people seemed to enjoy it. Yeah, you know, we, we could easily recognize the difference in voices. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, Father James with his big booming laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was fun to listen to mm-hmm. it. And I may go back and listen to some more of them. You know, from the website. Yeah, well, you know, states. it is from a theological perspective, it's a rich treasure house. Uh, what we covered, we did a good job of covering. And again, I say that in all humility, 
But uh, a lot of the credit to that goes to Tony here because he's the one who kind of organized the subject matter and then kind of steered us through some of the difficult problems that we got ourselves into. But uh, it, it really, if, if somebody didn't know anything at all about the Catholic Church and they were willing to, you know, listen to those programs from the beginning to the, to the end, they'd wind up, you know, being ready to be baptized, I think. They really would, so... Yeah, they drew in uh, the catechism. Yeah. Whatever the topic was, I heard Father Marty reading from the catechism and somebody else reading from the Bible and somebody else. It was real good. We'd get into a few problems. Like I remember when Father Dennis, our priest from Uganda, not Uganda, from Tanzania, uh, he and Father James got into an argument about whether animals go to heaven or not. And that was an interesting sidelight. <laughs> or, or Tony had to keep them from each other's throats, but that's all right. <laughs> it was like a referee that night. <laughs> and we tried to do some local programming on the station, too. We've got, um, we've got the feature from Franciscan Media of Saint of the Day, and uh, the Rockford Diocese sends us Bishop Malloy's daily reflections, uh, and we run those during the station breaks. Um, maybe when I get retired, we'll have more local programming, mm -hmm. but uh, right now I'm still working. So, um, yeah. Well, we've had a little bit of local uh, programming during Catholic Schools Week um, some years. I think Joe has gone over to the to Notre Dame. and yeah, the end of January, yeah, and uh, get the fifth graders to right. write a little essay on why I go to a Catholic school. Are you, why have you project. started working on that idea for this year? Yeah, we, well, it was all new people, so we have to recontact. Contact the teachers and so forth. What are some of the hurdles that, and Joe, you've been involved in this the longest, what are some of the hurdles that you ran into in that first 10 years of running the radio station? I think that the thing that kept bugging us was that we, uh, we could barely keep it on the air money-wise, and the board was... Five people, six people, you know. So Christmas time, you know, they'd be paying out of their pocket to put the, keep the lights on, and and then we'd get a little bit ahead and then fall a little bit behind, and it just was. Uh, it really wasn't until probably the tenth year or so that we really we didn't know whether we'd be on for another year. It was just touch and go, and like I say, there's a history. We should have written it all down with those four engineers, and they just uh, barely got on. Barely kept it up going, you know. I remember the example was it was freezing one year, and we were we were in the closet at St. Patrick's School, uh, the cafeteria right there, mm -hmm. and we kept getting the temperature alarm. It was getting too cold in there. It was going to shut down. So we went there. We've got all. We got two heaters going. It's going to blow the circuit if we put another one in. I just changed the light bulb to a hundred, hundred wider or two hundred, hundred fifty wide, and got us through that really twenty below or whatever it was at night. And we said we have to get out of here. This is mm -hmm. this is ridiculous. And uh, and then that led to another day move and talk negotiate. With I him. remember how I got involved in the Catholic radio station because I had been. I'm a revert Catholic. I fell away from the church for five or six years while my kids were in junior high and high school, and. I had a conversation with my dad. That's a whole different. That's a whole different deal. But I, I told him that I wasn't going to church. And he about fell out of the car, um, and he made me promise that I'd fix that. And so I came back and got involved in church and started going to Bible study, and went back to church and went to confession and did the whole thing. 
it was after Bible study standing in the, the hallway of the parish out here, the parish hall. And I announced that I was, I'd just come back to the church and that I really wanted to get involved with, you know, adoration and, and all that kind of stuff. And Joe latched on to me right away and said, do, do you know, do you want to be involved with Catholic radio? <laughs> I said, well, what are you talking about? Catholic radio? He goes, the Catholic radio station here in town. And I said, I didn't even know there was a Catholic radio station in town. Uh, but I got involved with them and started working on a website for them. And um, my background is in IT. So then I got involved in the computers and the transmitter and all that kind of stuff. And Bill Hausner started to teach me how to run the, the logs and the programming the station and doing the commercials and all that stuff. And Tony is the man that you see running around the church when we have big festivals or big feast days. And he's taking, uh, he's got a camera and he's taking pictures and he's got a microphone and he's recording events. And he's the one that's way up there in the choir loft making sure that the Mass is being televised correctly. And so I'm you used to make me very nervous when I was saying Mass because I'd look up and I'd think, oh my gosh, she's taking my picture. I hope I look good. But uh, <laughs> anyway, it worked out. And especially during our retreats when we have a, a special speakers come in, you know, you were very, very good at capturing those things for posterity, so. But Tony is just an update on the story of the station. It was like Annette used to say, we're just dodo birds, like Mother Angelica used to say. We just, and that's what they did. They came along the river here and started these radio stations, and you don't need to know anything about radio stations. What the heck? We'll just send you the programs, and yeah. you broadcast it. But we were just getting by, getting by, and then, and then Ray dropped out. And then what we can do for a tech person, here's Tony steps in. It just, it's like a dance. I mean, it just, we couldn't have programmed it. I mean, again and again and again. When we needed somebody, the good Lord would bring somebody to us. But I remember when I was, when I was first involved with the radio station and started coming to the meetings, it was, it was a hand-to-mouth thing. Oh, terrible. And there were, there were several times when the electric bill was due and one of the board members would reach into their pocket and write a check for it yeah. mm-hmm. to keep the station on the air. And luckily, we don't have that problem anymore. We do not. We, when I started 11 years ago, I took over as treasurer from Bob Moranic. And uh, I still remember we were at a board meeting at Elmer and Annette Paul Peter's house. Bob Moranic handed me a literal shoebox with his receipts in it. And <laughs> it was interesting trying to sort them out a little bit. But what I was able to come up with is that in 2003, to get started, it looks like there was a total of about $7,000 spent between software and hardware types of equipment for the receiver and the transmitter and other emergency alert system equipment and so forth. And um, I think that a lot of that was donated by the board members. Yeah. And I, I happened to be looking back today and see that at one point uh, when I first came on the board, there was $251 in the bank. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the only way that we could pay bills quite often was for the board members to cough up the money, mm-hmm. um, you know, which was very surprising to me. And um, it wasn't too long after I got on that, as they were saying, we needed to move to a, a new location. Um, and that was 2012 when we first started talking about it, I think. 
And I remember the first time I went up to see where the station was in the closet at St. Patrick's. It was raining outside. And when we got up, we got the doors open and got upstairs and got up to the outside, we went up to where the lunchroom is. And that's the older part of the building. And we walked up to the top of the stairs and opened the door. And as we walked in, the water was coming through the roof mm -hmm. on us right outside the station door. And we unlocked the door and went in. And it was the water was running through the roof probably, what, four feet, Joe, from where the transmitters and everything, all the electronic equipment was. And I looked around a little bit and I went, we got to get out of here. <laughs> well, there was a lot of concern back then that the whole building would fall down, or right. at least that old section. Right. And uh, so we really needed to get out. And we'd appreciated that Bob Moranic had let us use the space and his electricity that he was paying for for all those uh, early years. Um, and that's when we started our uh, search for what we needed to move. Uh, where would we go? And uh, we got into all kinds of technical things, talking to other engineers about um, where to put an antenna and receiver and um, more way above my head. That was well, our engineers had that were working foot, on that. 80-foot tower to put up, but that's on the on-ramp the on for the airport. The flight path. So well, we're going to be at this crazy one thing after another. But it all worked out. Yeah. And remember that we put the tower up on that Saturday, and a storm was coming from one side. Went and 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 I asked the guy, "Are you going to just pour the put? The, they put a eleven foot concrete uh, pier down, and then they cement around it with slurry, and then they put the pipe onto that concrete thing." I said, "Now you're going to put this all up today with that set up?" And oh yeah, we're going to take out all. And the storm went. To the west and to the east of us, it didn't. It split, spirit. It split and went around us. I just one thing after another. But we started talking about raising money for the new radio station in 2012, and right. it was we we had a campaign and we were talking to people and we did presentations at the churches and on um, August 10th of 2013 we had a fundraising banquet at the Drake. Mm -hmm. And invited uh, invited uh, interested people to come and listen to our presentation about what we wanted to do about building the station and putting up a new tower out of in, in literally in left field <laughs> at, at Notre Dame. <laughs> Notre Dame, that's right. Um, and then um, we had a successful campaign. We we were trying to raise fifty one thousand dollars at the time, um, and we wound up we ended up being able through the wonderful contributions and donations of many, many, many people and many, many businesses, uh, we wound up being able to build the station for $28,000, which was just incredible. And on um, April 26th of 2014, uh, Joe and I went out and laid out the stakes and staked off the position of where the tower was going to be and where the new building was going to be and we started the process of actually building the station i remember tom chicken came in with uh, he runs graystone construction and we talked to him about coming in and building the foundation and we were standing there talking to him about um, you know where it was going to be and how he was going to do it and insulate it and everything and i started thinking about 
I started thinking out loud about, let's see, that'd be about three or four yards of concrete, and he, that'd be about $100 a yard. He stopped me, and he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm trying to figure out how much the concrete's going to cost. He goes, no, you don't understand. He said, I'm donating the whole thing. He said, I'm donating the work. I'm donating the concrete. I, I listen to Catholic radio. I love Catholic radio. He says, I'm doing this all as a donation. Wonderful. And that's the way it went with everything. The... I can't remember the the two guys that came and built the state that actually built the building. They never sent us a bill. Yeah, we had so many local businesses, mm-hmm. uh, local Catholics uh, that donated mm-hmm. um, labor and materials. Yeah, um, you know, we put that fence up around it to make sure that high school kids and and all weren't you know getting into to too much trouble. Um, and or anybody else for that matter, um, you know, with the the tower there, we didn't want anybody trying to climb it as a joke or mm-hmm. who knows what high school kids will do. the The tower itself cost us thirteen thousand five hundred dollars, which we did have to pay that. Mm-hmm. And of course, there were a lot of other expenses, but it was amazing. Just to every time I'd ask, you know, someone from the board, "Well, I I don't have a bill yet for this or that." And they'd come back and say, there is no bill. It was donated. Mm, wonderful. And I, I remember the day, it was, June 30, <laughs> it was June 30th of 2014 when we actually put up the tower. And I remember they dug a 30-inch diameter hole 12 feet deep. And that doesn't sound like much, but do you know how much dirt comes out of a hole that's 30 inches in diameter, 12 feet deep? We had a pile of dirt there that was over our heads. And I remember we were standing in the parking lot talking about this wet, heavy clay and how we were going to get it out of here and what we were going to do with it. And just as we were standing there talking, a truck pulling a skid steer loader came around the corner with MJ Daly's. They were working on the locker rooms at Notre Dame. <laughs> and we went, thank you. <laughs> thank you, God. Would you load it? You asked and, the guy, and would we, you load it in my dump truck? And we went over and asked them if they would, before they put it back on the trailer, if we got a dump truck here, would you load that dirt over there in the dump truck? And they said, yeah, sure, we can do that. No problem. <laughs> so it's like every time we had a need, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit said, okay, here's your solution. Well, but doesn't God work that way? That's the way God works. You need to get out and get going and things will fall together. Well, when you, when you were working on the station and, and the tower, um, that's when the um, internet company, the um, yeah yeah from uh, Danville, um, was putting in lines for the U.S. Bank building yeah. right across the road from us. And Tony, were you the one that went over and talked to the and yeah, guys? it was the it was the end of October. We we finished the building or started the construction of the building on the end of July. And we finished the building and moved in and started transmitting on the end of October. It was like the 27th of October, 2014. And we were supposed to have Mediacom come out and put in the Internet. And when the installer got out there to install it and set it up, he couldn't find the cables. Well, they never came and ran the cable to it. Well, it just so happened that they were running uh, fiber. Was it fiber. Danville Telephone Company was running fiber to the bank on Division Street. Mm-hmm. And they were they were coming right by the station, so I went out and asked them. I said, "Hey, if if uh, if you guys would you guys be able to come back and hook us up?" And they went, "Well, yeah. I mean, I, they said you'd have to call the office and get it okayed." So I called the office, and the office said, "Yeah, sure. 
So they ran down and finished up their stuff on the bank and came back and turned around and, and uh, ran a, a run under the, they, they dug under the, the building and came up on the other side of it and hooked the cable up that day and we went on the air. Uh, so again, the Holy Spirit was just right there and, yeah. and took care of that need. Mm-hmm. And it was just, uh, the whole thing was just that way. It was just miracle after miracle after miracle. <laughs> So if you don't think prayer works, you're wrong. <laughs> Jean, where does the money come from for the station? Well, you know, we, we talked about in the beginning how we really struggled and the board members were taking it out of their own billfolds. But uh, quite a few years ago, we asked Father Marty, um, do you think that we could put an envelope? Wasn't it Father Marty? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, put an envelope in the church's envelope system, um, and, you know, we, we were being very bold and said, you know, you could put one in there every month, and he said, no, but um, we could do it quarterly, and that has been the godsend that we needed, and all of you people that donate um, through your church envelopes or send us money directly um, has been what's kept us going. Um when we were first planning the capital project for the new building and the tower, we told people that we were using estimates of costs and that we thought it was going to be costing us two cents per minute to stay on the air. And as it turns out, I did a comparison uh, for the last two years, and um, our projection now is 1.7 cents per minute. So we've come in under what we thought it would even cost us. And that includes uh, what the depreciation on the equipment and the building and everything are involved. And so um, when you think about what your $10 buys, um, you're, you're keeping us on the air when you give us any kind of donations. And we really appreciate it. Our biggest, we have no labor expense. Uh, everyone's volunteers. And our, our biggest expenses are the cost of the internet, the electricity, the insurance, and uh, then we have to pay a little bit for music licensing rights and uh, miscellaneous things like that. Mm -hmm. But we're extremely frugal on where our money is spent. Let's talk a little bit about our plans for the future. Right now, we're working on making changes that allow us to stream the station live uh, on the internet to mobile devices and desktops. And I, I don't know if you know anybody who used to live here that's moved away from town. Um, they can get KCDM on their phones or on their desktop computers at work or wherever uh, and listen to the station over the internet. So you don't have to be within the 10-mile radius of the, the transmitter here in town in order to get KCDM any longer. Uh, You can listen to it in your car, you can listen to it uh, in your house, uh, you can listen to it in Arizona if you want. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's something that we're we're working on doing. Uh, We're also looking at purchasing equipment that would allow us to do live broadcasts from remote locations, kind of a portable studio, if you will. Um, And that would allow us to do graduations, possibly do some live sports, uh, broadcast mashes when the, the bishop visits, uh, some things like that. So um, that's another thing we're looking at doing. 
we're, we're also talking about doing a pilgrimage to uh, EWTN studios and the EWTN facilities in Birmingham in the near future. Um, I don't know when that would be, but uh, if you're interested in maybe doing a pilgrimage down to EWTN and going to uh, Wednesday Night Live with Father Mitch Pacwa and being in the studio audience, uh, making a trip up to Hansville to see where Mother Angelica is buried and see the, the nuns up there. The beautiful shrine. The, and the shrine the John Paul there. Museum. I went down to Birmingham for a 10th anniversary in 2013 to the EWTN radio conference. And that, uh, the experience of going to mass in the, in that, uh, shrine. And, uh, it was, it was just really beautiful. So we're talking about trying to get a, a pilgrimage set up. Tony, on an, another topic, uh, can you, Explain a little better than I could as far as, you know, we use the initials LPFM uh, along with our, our call sign of KCDM. Um, the LP stands for low power and, of course, you know, FM station. But can you tell people a little bit about what's the difference between low power stations and uh, the full power stations that, that they're more used to thinking of, like, you know, KBUR and, and other local stations? Well, the, the FCC has a class of radio stations that they consider educational, and those educational stations are what they call a low-power station. So we are limited to only transmit 100 watts of power. And if you think about radio stations like KGRS or um, KBUR, they're transmitting in the 20, 30,000 watts is what they're putting out. So we're only allowed to transmit a fraction of the signal that they can do. But we also don't have all the FCC regulations they have either. So we're limited to a 10-mile a radius around Burlington is about all the farther our signal goes. On some days, you can get it a little further than that. But um, it originally was an educational station that the FCC put into place. And that's what most of the Catholic radio stations, KDME and Fort Madison, they're also at 98.3, but they're not going to be there for long. I talked to them recently, and they're talking about changing their frequency. We live and die by the FCC, so we have to follow all their rules and regulations and uh, do national tests and all that kind of stuff and log everything. And it's it's a lot of paperwork and a lot of busy work, but uh, it keeps us on the air. You know, another little coincidence or guide coincidence, or they say now, FCC gives you those call letters. We didn't pick them. So, KCDM. And then Bob Rank came up with this, no Christ, divine mercy. So, we had divine mercy in our name before the parish was voting. Father Marty, we were, we were worried about what's the next, we merge together, what are we going to call it, all saints or... Uh, John Paul or Mother Teresa, and they had a bunch of li- names, and it ended up that that was a perfect thing to have it. Divine Mercy, you know. And and now the the parish is actually named Divine Mercy. Exactly. Yeah, that's what he was getting to. Yeah. Was that an accident? Yeah. Yeah. Just wonderful. There are no accidents with God. There's always <laughs> uh, there's always a reason behind it, even though we don't always see it at the time. No. So, Joe, when you when you started KCDM twenty years ago, did you ever think you'd still be 
involved, number one, and still on the air, number two? When Bob got me on the board, I said, what do you want me for? These guys are engineers. I don't know. Suck them. <laughs> and I swear, they just did it for, you know, no brains of just bronze. So they need somebody young enough to be strong enough to help them, <laughs> you know. But uh, I think this, just uh, to continue on, it was neat that I'm with it for that, you know, because I'm not going to be here forever either. But, uh, yeah, because, you know. Most of them are gone. Yeah. And, and Lawrence, you're you're actually the it president was. of the board right now, and you've been. When did you join us? How long have you been? I, I started back in 2018. 2018. Yep. Okay. I started with a uh, Joe took me on a tour of the the facility, and um, introduced me to the radio. And uh, at that time, I was a member of the parish, had only been in town a couple of years, but uh, was not familiar with Catholic radio. So Joe introduced me to Catholic Radio and uh, the radio station and started with a tour and then attended a few meetings and then gradually uh, became more involved. And, and you're you're an engineer, right? Yep, industrial engineer. Industrial engineer, yeah. okay. Formerly with Case, yep. So you, you have some, uh, some uh, creds, <laughs> <laughs> unlike, unlike the rest of us. <laughs> So what what are your impressions of, of your involvement with KCDM so far? I have uh, I've really enjoyed it. It's been I'm I'm like Joe when I started I didn't know anything about radio and um, didn't know how I could fit in or how I could help out. But uh, I've been very impressed with the the organization how we get the feed from EWTN how we're able to rebroadcast our content uh, from EWTN is is um, always good. And um, just the fact that we, uh, a small crew, can run a station and rebroadcast to the local community, it's uh, it's, uh, it's very powerful. And going to the next step to make it available on the Internet is, uh, I think, a good step. Yeah. And the other point I'd like to make is that um, if, you, if you'd like to be involved, you don't necessarily have to be on the air and record things and, and do radio announcements and that kind of stuff. We need all kinds of help. Gene has been invaluable in keeping track of our money and filing all the reports with the state and all that kind of stuff we need to maintain our nonprofit status. We have so many things that we'd like to do, an underwriting program and outreach to the community and bringing in speakers and that kind of stuff that we'd like to do, but we can't do that with the five people or six people that we have involved in the station right now. Uh, everybody has skills they bring to the table, and um, if you'd like to help but don't know how, uh, send an email to webmaster at kcdmradio.org, and uh, I would be happy to give you a call and talk to you about uh, what we're looking for and what kind of help we need. So um, we're, we're going on our next 10 years. We just started our next 10 years, um, so uh, any help we can get would be greatly appreciated. You know, another thing that we've been talking about for quite a, a few years is um, to get a some type of a uh, repeater station or or be able to put up another tower. Translator. Um, translator. All these technical things. You guys can <laughs> handle that part. I just do the money. But <laughs> but uh, to be able to extend our, our broadcast out to, um, you know, some of the other communities that are um, not being able to hear us. Uh, through the radio right now, even though they can get it online. So, and those those are expensive to do. It's almost as much money as starting from scratch. 
Um, it is as much money. For yeah, because right. you have to put up a tower, right? You have to have a tower, a transmitter. You have to have all the the toys. So and so, you know, I'm, ten years ago, our tower cost us over thirteen thousand dollars. So with inflation, you can imagine what it might cost now, and then all the other equipment that's required to do that. But uh, you know, given enough money and some more people to provide energy, um, you know, it's something that we could certainly look at. Um, in the future, isn't it also something that we have to get approval through FCC to mm-hmm. be able to do that? We, we actually have to hire a lawyer and file the paperwork and everything to 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 add a translator station. So it's that adds to the expense too. Right. So. It's not just a simple little let's put up a tower kind of thing. Yeah. But there's all kinds of things we'd like to do, but we we need help doing it. So. And you realize behind this whole thing. You're just getting Christ's word out into the airways. To, I mean, what would be more worthwhile? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And and that's why these people they reach in their pockets to keep this thing on the air. You know, it's like we say on our website: truth and life to Burlington. Yeah. So yeah. that's what we need. Well, on that note, Father Mike, would you uh, would you like to close the show with a blessing here? Certainly. Let us pray, Heavenly Father. We thank you for answering our prayers over the years. We thank you for this anniversary. We thank you for the wonderful, what I would call miracles, where things happen because you want them to happen, even though they look like coincidences in our own life. In regard to this station, continue to bless this station and all those who uh, give everything for it and grant that uh, your work might be done through it. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord. And now may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all who are connected with ACDM and remain with them forever. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father Mike. I'd also like to thank Joe, Lawrence, and Jean for, for coming out to talk about our 20th anniversary. I'd like to thank Tony for being the driving force behind all of the technical work that it takes to keep us on the air. Without him, we would not be on the air. Absolutely not. Well, the praise be to God because it's it's uh, it's a talent I've been given and, and uh, want to share. So that brings us to the end of our time. Until we can get Father Mike to break away from his busy schedule and get back behind the mic again. My retirement schedule. <laughs> <laughs> we invite you to come back to Mass to receive God's grace there. Consider this a personal invitation to join us in church. If you are attending Mass, invite someone to join you. I'd also like to thank the listeners for tuning in. Please join us again on the radio, listen on the website, or go to tunein.com for the podcast. Until then, remember, God loves you and wants you to be with Him in heaven one day. Invite Him into your life. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. 